appreciate our band uh, so much, man, for, for leading us every week, <clears throat> especially when uh, especially when Kyle wears a shirt that says battle mode to worship. That's just, it's just cool. I don't know what to say about that. just like it. I wish it was mine. I wish you would give it to me, but he's not listening, so it's okay. Um, yeah, so if you've got a Bible, we're in Romans chapter 12. Uh, like I said earlier last week, we, uh, we started a series about worship, right? We talked about how there are these three components of worship, for, for corporate worship at least, where uh, these three things come together and it creates something, that, something bigger than any one of those things could independently be. There's, there's us hearing from God's word, us, us communicating back to God through prayer and through song, and then there's this togetherness thing that just kind of flames it all up together, um, which, is, which is incredible. Uh, but we can, but if, if our perspective on worship is, is, is limited to our time in rooms like this, to worship services, corporate worship only, then we're missing a huge amount of what the Bible talks about about worship. We, we, we're missing kind of the whole point. See, you and me as, as Christians are called to, to more than just spending time in a room one or two hours a week singing our hearts out to Jesus. We're called to more than that. We're called to, to living a life of worship. Then when we walk out of those doors or whatever doors you walk out of, when you walk out of those doors and, and go back to whatever it is you do when you're not in this place, we're called to literally a life, a lifestyle that's characterized by worshiping the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's no small task. It's not, a, it's not an easy thing to figure out how to do. It takes, a, I mean, it takes, I think, a lifetime to get that as close as we can to right. But it's something we all strive towards, strive toward a lifestyle of worship. Um, so I was, wanted, wanted to talk about that. So I was looking at uh, some of my favorite passages that talk about that lifestyle of worship kind of thing. Um, and the one that I landed on was Romans uh, 12. It has a, there's a bunch of it. It's a whole like, long passage that just talks about what it would tangibly look like to, to, to live a life that's glorifying God in every step that we take. Um, and uh, so I started kind of like outlining stuff and doing things on my dry erase board. I like dry erase boards. And, um, and it just got mega long. So I started cutting stuff and it ended up on one verse. Like, so we're only talking about one verse. It's all we got time to do because there's so much packed in this one little verse um, that I want to communicate to. That's not how time to read the rest of it or talk about it at all. So when you go home tonight, man, um, start reading through Romans 12. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's incredibly powerful. Like, verse 2, I was gonna, it talks about being a nonconformist. I was going to make fun of hipsters. It was going to be awesome. So just go read the rest of Romans 12. Imagine some funny jokes, and you'll get the same thing out of it anyway, um, as you would have otherwise. So Romans 12, verse 1, that's where we're going to be tonight. I'm going to read the whole thing for us, and then we're going to go back, and we're just going to spend our entire time in God's Word tonight looking at Romans 12, uh, verse 1. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in your view of God's mercy— you know, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. I'll read it again. Therefore, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. I remember being in, uh, being in high school and and this being one of the verses that, that just kind of came up in my head a lot it was one of the ones I, I probably could have quoted. You know, there's, a, there's some verses you just hear enough, kind of like from osmosis, you just can quote it. This was one for me, one that I, I kind of just knew in my head. But um, if you had really called me on it and asked me to explain what hardly any of this meant, I couldn't do it. I mean, there's, there's, there's just phrases in here that I just couldn't really explain. I kind of thought I got the, uh, the gist of it. But as far as the nuance or the, the really impact of those words, I, I don't think I could have done it for you. Now, I'm assuming that's the case for a lot of y'all. When it talks about uh, 
being in view of God's mercy, acting in view of God's mercy, or, or offering your bodies as a living sacrifice. Like, exactly what does that mean? Can you explain that to me? I, I, I don't, I'm assuming you can't, so that's why we're going to baby step through this bad boy. It's, so just kind of hang with me. We're going to go real slow. It's going to be a different kind of message tonight. Fair? All right, so if you're taking notes, we're just going to go down through the verse just sequentially, the way it's written, and we're going to take it apart. So you can write stuff under each little kind of phrase in there. It'll make sense. So it starts. It says, I urge you, brothers. So um, if, I, if I urge you to do something, that means I'm calling you to action, right? If I'm like, man, you absolutely have to go to Shakalaka because it will change your life and blow out your ACL. You've got to go um, to go experience some Shakalaka crazy. We need to do another fellowship Shakalaka. We'll try to do that. And then different ones of you can go than the ones who couldn't go last time. Anyway, it'll be good. Um, but if, if, I'm, if I'm urging you to do something, I'm calling you to action. So Paul begins, Romans 12, in, in verse 1, he begins by calling us to do something. He says he's, he's calling us to do it in, out of, uh, in, in view of God's mercy. So it's pointing us back to something. So here's the deal. Romans is, is divided into two main chunks. Just kind of some background for you. The entire book of Romans, it's like 16 chapters long. It's divided into two main portions. The first one is Romans 1, chapter 1, chapter one all the way through chapter 11. The entire thing. Romans, all of chapter 1 through all of chapter 11, the whole thing. It's like most of the book. It's a long time. That's one chunk. And that's describing for us how we can have a relationship with God through Christ. It begins at the beginning. It starts talking about talk, the first three chapters talking about sin and then the, like the huge hole that's inside of us by all of our mistakes. And it starts describing that. And it's great. You can't, you can't get out of Romans chapter 1 through 3 without feeling just really terrible about yourself and all of humanity. It's, it's rough. It's this really clear picture of, of our just how messed up we are. And then after that, it starts explaining how God sent his son to come and rectify, to, to restore and redeem all of that. How he sent his son to die on a cross to pay for all of that stuff so that we could have a relationship with God again. So there's 11, verse, or 11 chapters, 11 chapters explaining how we can have a relationship with God. And then we get to this verse. And the whole, the whole like, direction of the book shifts. The whole thing shifts after 11 chapters of explaining how to have a relationship with God. Romans 12, 1 begins to explain to us how we can live. So because of, because of this, because like, so if, you're under, if you have come through 11 chapters and understand how to have a relationship with Jesus, chapters 12 through 16 explain what to do with it. How we're called to live our lives in light of that fact. So in the beginning of this chapter, he points, he's pointing back to something. He's saying, in view of God's mercy. There's some things, students, that you just can't unsee, right? There's some things that when you, when you lay your eyes on it, it just gets burned into the back of your retinas, uh, and you just, can't, you just can't stop seeing it. Like 10 years later, you can still see it. Me, um, me and Jessica have been uh, going to the beach together for a long, long time. So I saw, I, me and Jessica started dating uh, beginning of our junior year of high school. How many, if you have any juniors that are dating somebody, be careful. Be careful. I married mine, just saying. Um, so... Uh, so yeah, Jessica and I started dating in the beginning of our junior year. Um, and so I think, my, I think that next summer, between our junior year and our senior year, I started going on, on Jessica's family's annual beach trip. Any of y'all take an annual beach trip? Anybody? Good. You go to the beach every year. So every year, Jessica's family goes to the beach. It's like clockwork, right? And we get the condo and we do the thing. And uh, so like, I'm 17 years old. I started doing the Reynolds family beach trip. I still did. I did it this year. It was awesome. Like we just, we just keep going over and over again. Like it's going to be something new. It's still sand. It's still waves every time. I don't know why. We just keep going like it's going to be different. It never is. But I think I've probably been on like 15, 20 beach trips with Jessica. Like, that's a lot of beach trips. It's a lot of time sitting in sand and, like, staring at waves and wishing you had something fun to do because that's what I'm doing on the beach usually. Anyway, um, so, so, but one of the things, 
the worst thing about going to the beach with Jessica is that she has these four words that she says. Just, just randomly, at any point in time, she's got these four words that she'll say out loud to me, and, and terrible things happen every time. Terrible stuff happens as soon as she says it. So here's the way this goes down. I'm sitting in my little beach chair. You know, I got the, you got the, I got the one that's like kind of low. I don't have the cool like high beach chair. I've got the one that's real low, like you have to fall backwards into it. So I'm, I'm in that one, and I get the back, the back legs dug in real deep so I can recline a little bit. And I'm sitting there, and I got my book, and I got my Dr. Pepper, which got sand on the edge, and that's disgusting. Another reason that I don't, anyway. So you got your, you got your Dr. Pepper with sand on it, and you got your book, and the wind's blowing the pages. It's really annoying, but whatever. You're trying to enjoy it. And the waves are over and over, like for like 10 hours, just keeps, it won't stop. It's like, waves. And uh, so the waves are crashing. There's like seagulls and the kid down the beach is feeding seagulls bread and they're like birds pooping everywhere. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an exciting experience. And then Jessica utters these four words. She says, hey, look at that. Hey, look at that. Usually when people's like, hey, look at that. You're at the beach, man. There's going to be like a dolphin jumping over a shark, something cool worth seeing. I don't know. But every time I'm like, hey, there's going to be something awesome to see, right? There's going to be like a seagull like attacking a kid. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I want to see it. I want to see it. I've been on 20 beach trips. Hey, look at that. Sometimes it'll happen like three or four times a trip. Every time, every time like something like, like instinctually inside of me throws my eyes up and I immediately follow wherever she points. She says, hey, look at that. And her hand points in a direction. I'm, I'm going to point at Zach because that's going to be embarrassing. I'm not going to do that. This is going to get weird here in a minute. I don't want to point at you because it's going to get weird. Someone point over there because there's nobody over there in that corner. So she says, hey, look at that. And she points and my eyes come up from my book and I, I like laser in on whatever it is that she's saying. Hey, look at that. I'm hoping for awesome stuff like a submarine, but I never get a submarine. I never get a submarine. It's always, uh, it's always like a 60 something year old, um, like leather skin, uh, rotund uh, woman. In a two-piece. Every time, dude, like, every time. Every time. Hey, look at that. Oh, God! You know? Every time. And I don't, I don't, I don't learn, man. I just can't stop doing it because I'm hoping for awesome junk, like sailboat. I don't know, whatever. Windsurfers crashing into buildings. I don't know. It's always a 60-something-year-old uh, old lady, big girl time. It's, it's intense. And it's always a two-piece. It's never a one-piece. It's never a sundress. It's always a two-piece. Sometimes they're in a lounge chair, so they're like kind of balled up, you know, like, a, like the world's biggest cannonball or something. It, and, I can, and the terrible thing, students, for real, like my eyes hit that, like, and I'm off. Like, it's like fire, you know? And my, my I mean, I'm gone. There's no look backs. I don't have to follow the two-second rule. I didn't even make it to the two-second rule. Anyway, and it's, it's awful. And, but I can, even as I've been talking to you, I've been seeing these people in my head. I've probably, in, in 80 people that she's made me look at, I've probably looked a total of one second divided among all 80 people. I can see half of them in my head right now. There's one that's got blonde hair and a black swimsuit. It's awful. Her chair was blue. I mean, I see it. And you just, you sometimes there's just some things in life that you, you, that when you look at, they just get burned into you. And some of those things are terrible. Some of those things are awesome. I mean, I, I mean, I, the, the image of, 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 of the first time I laid eyes on my kid, I'm never going to forget that. That's just this beautiful moment. I'm just, I mean, I can, I can see it like it just happened just right now. Paul in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, 
I urge you, brothers and sisters, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to act. In view of God's mercy, he's pointing back to these, these last 11 chapters where he's explained in minute detail how, how broken we were and how merciful God was on our behalf. Where he sent his son literally to die for, for my mistakes, your mistakes, to, to repair the relationship that you and I broke. See, compassion is, compassion is like when somebody's house gets hit by a tornado and you go help. They didn't do anything wrong, like something bad happens to somebody who didn't really, no, they didn't, they didn't deserve it. Mercy is for people who deserved it. We were people who deserved it. Internal separation from God is what we deserved, and God showed mercy. And he calls us to look back on those previous 11 chapters. For, for you sitting right here, he's calling you to, to look back on what Christ did for you on the cross. Students, if you're a Christian in the room, just, just think back on, on what Christ has done for you on the hugeness of what he's forgiven you for, what he's brought you back from, how little you deserved it. Man, if your phone's distracting you, throw it across the room. I'm tired of looking at you people texting. It's annoying me today. Uh, Just for free. Just throw it. No one will judge you except everyone. Um, What am I talking about? Looking back, right? So in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, he calls us to act. There's just some things you can't see. And for me, the cross is one of those things. The, the imprint that the, that the cross has left on my life is, is going to change me for eternity. So he calls me to look back on that. And, and so in light of that, in light of that, in light of the cross, he tells you and me to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. All right, so let's take that apart. First, he says offers. That basically means give willingly, to, to give away willingly. Give, give away willingly your bodies. That's kind of weird. Just your bodies. So is God interested in like just my physical bodies? That can't be what it's talking about because that's just a little creepy. Um, so in, in here, what, the, what, that, what that word is, is representing is, is all of you. Every bit of you. Heart, soul, mind, and strength, kind of all of you. Like your soul, your heart, your mind, like your thoughts, your attitudes, your beliefs, all of you. And your physical body. Every bit of who you are is wrapped up in that phrase. So to offer your body. That's, that's giving willingly all of you. You know, sometimes, um, sometimes students, you're just, yeah. you've heard that phrase, um, I'm just not all here today. I'm just not all, wait, that's not how they say it. I'm just not all there today, right? Like your teacher calls on you in class and you just completely space out and have no idea what's going on. Like, I'm sorry, I'm just not, I'm just not there today, right? And the idea is that your mind is somewhere different than, like you're physically standing in class, but in reality, you're not mentally there. You know what I'm saying? That's not, a, that's not a great situation. So we, we, try to be, we try to be present right where we need to be at the moment, right? I told y'all a story, um, I think, or maybe I haven't, I can't really remember, um, about when, when Jessica called me uh, nine months pregnant from the doctor's office on a Wednesday afternoon at 2 o'clock. Have I told you that? I'm telling you again. It's going to be awesome. All right, so Jessica's nine months pregnant. It's a Wednesday afternoon, 2 o'clock. Everybody that I know knows that Wednesday, 2 o'clock in the afternoon is the worst time to try to ask me a question or like, hey, can you go? No, I can't go to the store. I got to do greenhouse. I'm like trying to finish up message. I'm setting up stuff for y'all. It's just, it's my super intense time of the entire week. My mom doesn't call me on Wednesday afternoons. No one calls me or asks anything with me on Wednesday afternoon because that's my go time because I'm taking care of you. All right. Wednesday at 2 o'clock, my phone rings and that's annoying to me because everyone knows they're not supposed to call me on Wednesday afternoon. You can because I love you. Just kidding. Um, not, not about the loving you part, about the calling me part. Anyway, uh, 
So she calls, and, and, but I, I knew that she had gone to the doctor that day. Now, she, we had a couple of weeks before the baby was supposed to be coming and whatever, so this, this shouldn't have been a big deal. But I just was like, I, I should probably answer this. You should probably answer it when your wife's nine months pregnant and she calls you. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. So I answer the phone, and she's, and um, on the other, other uh, I say, uh, hey, how's it going? And um, I, what I get back is this, like, high pitch. Uh, uh, it's that voice that girls do when they're trying not to cry. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, like that. I'm like, so it's like, inside, again, instinctively, I know that she's trying not to cry, which is bad. So what I do instinctively, like all other guys do, when a girl calls you and her voice shakes, like what you do, you make your voice as high as possible too, to make her feel better. So, what? Like, and, and so we had this high-pitched conversation where, where um, she basically says, hey, uh, in the shaky, crazy voice, and I respond in my shaky, crazy voice, um, that the doctor has said, hey, her blood pressure was up a little bit, and that was a little dangerous or whatever. And so they wanted to go ahead and, like, send her to the hospital, like, right then and, and get the baby going, like, get, get labor started and get that baby out of there. It's go time. Now, not two weeks from now, right now. I was not ready for this. I did not anticipate this occurring, right? So... Um, Immediately, I stopped thinking about you. You're not that important. You're close, so close. And so my, 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 my mind and my heart went uh, like down the road to the doctor's office next to the Madison Hospital, but my body was still here, which was annoying. So um, in a guy's life, guys, correct me if I'm wrong here, but in a guy's life, there's a few, there's a few times that you just are excited about from the moment you, you, you hear about this, something is gonna come in your life and you're gonna get to do this one thing, it's gonna be awesome. One of the most exciting things that I'd looked forward to my entire life to that point was the moment where I was going to get to drive my wife uh, in labor to the hospital because you get to drive as fast as you want. And it's completely, it's morally acceptable, dude. You just floor it. You just ping that bad boy out. You're running a hundred down a huge road. No one cares. You're like, I'm not a baby. And the cops are like, cool, I'll escort you. You're like, that's going to be, I've been looking forward to this my entire life. And so, and I'm like, wait a minute, we're going to, we're going to like induce the baby. That means I don't get to this is my chance. Here we go, bro. And so I, I run out of the office because it's like that important. She's not actually in labor, but whatever. I did it anyway. Run out of the office. I jump in the forerunner. Heart's over there. Body's still here. Got to fix that as fast as possible. My forerunner kind of rides uh, like the Batmobile when you're going real fast. Like, like that. And um, so I tear out of the parking lot. I'm like, I'm Batman. And dude, I was killing it. I, don't, I got there in like 45 seconds. I'm like squealing into the parking lot. And she's standing outside. Hi. And I'm, I had, I mean, I wanted to be fully there. I wanted to be all in. I didn't, I didn't want to have in this, like, I want to be fully present in the moment. Sometimes as Christians, I feel like we, we live our lives not fully, not, we're not all in. We're not fully invested. We're not, we're not completely there. He says, offer your bodies as living, offer everything you are as a living sacrifice to God. Completely, fully in, like every part of you, man. Sometimes I think that we're, we're full in, we're, we're like fully there. We're all in when we're in worship, we're in places like this. Some of y'all are completely zoned out right now and you have no idea what I'm talking about. You're not all in. <laughs> you're not all there. Physically you're here, but mentally you're not. Sometimes, sometimes some of us have like this guilt complex thing and we go through the motions that we think would make God happy, but our heart's not really in it. We don't give a rip about really loving God or loving people. We just want them to like be happy with us or something. So we, we go through the motions with the, with the wrong heart intent. Some of us, 
Some of us are completely willing to give God certain areas of our lives, to be all in with certain stuff. But then when that boyfriend wants to go a little bit further than you want to go or you feel like God would have for you to go, um, you're not all in anymore. And you allow yourself to be divided among different things. Man, it happens to you guys every day. Where stuff pulls you apart and, and these people get this part of you and these people get this part of you and these people get this part and God gets the rest. The convenient, easy stuff to give him. You don't fight for it. You're not fighting to be all there. You're not flooring it down Hughes Road, going 100, trying to be all in, all there, fully present. God doesn't want the easy parts of you, only. God doesn't just want the part of you that's convenient. God wants the part of you that you have to fight to give. Paul says, looking back on all that he's done for you, he calls us to, in light of that, to offer everything that we are as a living sacrifice. Let's talk about that little phrase and we're probably gonna have to be done. Living sacrifice. So we're offering all that we are as this living sacrifice. Um, so if, you, if you're familiar at all with Christianity, you know that in the, in the Old Testament, um, uh, the Israelites had a, a, a sacrificial system where they would sacrifice animals to pay the penalty for their sins. And Christ is our sacrifice, so that's why I don't do that anymore. Right? But they did. They didn't have a Savior like we do, so they had the sacrifice thing with animals. The crazy thing about uh, um, animal sacrifices, like ones that are not living sacrifices, they're dead sacrifices. Not like one-time use. It's not, a, it's not efficient. Just saying. It's not efficient. There's not a lot of longevity there. If you, like, stab an animal, it's dead. And there's not a, like, long-term kind of reliance there. The nice thing about being a living sacrifice is that you get to live. But the, the, the interesting thing, and I think the reason they put it in that passage is that um, to be a living sacrifice, there's a continuousness to it. Like, it doesn't stop. I think some of us approach... Um, approach Christianity or approach our relationship with God as a, as a one-time deal, like a one-time use sort of thing. Where, where this one time when you were at Disciple Now or you were at a far retreat or you were eight years old sitting on the bed next to your mom, you had this one-time moment where you gave your heart and life to Christ. And that, that one moment was your one-time sacrifice. And that was, that was you giving God everything you've got in that moment. And then every moment past that moment was just whatever. He doesn't call us to a one-time moment. Our relationship with Jesus is not dependent upon that one time that you gave your heart and life to Christ. Yeah, that saves you. But it's so much more than that. It's this continual giving of our whole selves day in, day out. Doing the best we can to give all that we can every day that we can. Yeah, you're not going to be perfect at it. You're going to mess some stuff up. But that's what we're called to do, to be people who are continually giving as best we can. Saying thank you to the one who gave us everything. You got about a minute. So the, the next thing that it says, it says, uh, offer yourself as living sacrifices. And it says, holy and pleasing to God. How many of you think you can live holy on your own? Anybody? Good. Don't raise your hand because you're lying. Um, so here's, the, here's those two phrases. I'm just going to explain them really fast. The holiest thing, for us to be a holy sacrifice before God, God is the one who makes you holy. When he, when he, when he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin, man, when, he, when you give yourself to that, when you trust him as your Savior and all your sin is forgiven, he makes you holy, cleans you completely. Everything, past, present, future, is, is forgiven. Doesn't give you a license to do whatever you want, but in God's eyes, you are holy. That pleasing part, though, I think that's where the all-in comes in. I think, I think for, for us to be a pleasing sacrifice, we've got to be all-in. 
You know, in the sacrificial system with the animal stuff, you can't bring a three-legged goat and, like, give it to God. That's, that's not, that's, like, not good enough. You don't bring, like, roadkill stuff and give it to God. That, you, you, don't, you don't bring a partial sacrifice. You bring a full sacrifice. You bring the best you possibly can. I think a sacrifice that's pleasing to God in your life, students, is you doing the best you possibly can to daily give him everything that you are. Putting your resources, your time, your energy, everything that you have to bring to the table, fully investing it in whatever it is that God's placed you in, whatever situation that you're in. He closes out that verse by saying, this is your spiritual act of worship. Basically saying, this is how we live a life of worship, honoring God in everything that we do. So in a minute, you're going to head to your small groups. Um, and uh, before that, I'm going to pray. But before that, I want to say this, man. If, if you're a Christian in the room, um, I just want to ask, are you all in? Are you fully invested? Man? Are, are you actually bringing your full self? Are you fully there? Are there parts of you that you're just, you're out? Like some of you are still playing with your phones. Like, are you, are you all in? There's some of you in the room, man, you're, you're, not, you're not a Christian yet. You haven't given your heart and life to Christ. Um, I want you to know that uh, we have experienced a mercy that um, goes beyond anything I could have imagined. Uh, anything we ever could have asked for. Christ will, God will extend that mercy to you same as he has for us, man. So I would urge you, um, if you don't have a relationship with God or you have questions about what that means, not to leave this place before you ask somebody. You ask your small group leader, they're brilliant. People ask me, ask a friend, it doesn't matter. Talk to somebody about how to have this hope that we have um, and how to be all in. I'm going to pray for you, and then i got to give you a couple quick tips before you go to your groups, okay? Let's pray. Um, Father, I'm so thankful uh, that you... <laughs> Um, that we have this great hope that we can look back on. Um, the moment that, that I, I can look back on when I, I trusted you as my Savior and Lord and you wiped my son away. I'm so thankful for that. And for the students in the room who, who have experienced that as well, I know they're thankful as well. God, going forward, um, help our commitment to not be uh, like a one-time thing. Help us be fully invested, all in, in every possible way that we can. We love you. It's your son's name we pray. Amen.